Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. This is AppSats Radio, help for partners after sexual betrayal. We talk about it here. Betrayal trauma. We are AppSats certified clinical partner specialists and coaches who have been trained to help navigate you through this crisis. There is nothing we won't talk about. Sometimes listeners want to know about triggers. I was dealing with the aftermath of my husband's affairs, and he still works the same job that he did when he was acting out. It's a job that allows him to hide his goings-on and one that he stated was the previous trigger for his acting out. The whole 16 and a half years we've been together, he's acted out. In the beginning, what I thought it was was just pornography. Um, It ended up being, I found out two and a half years ago, he had been with multiple prostitutes. I only found out a very small portion of that until about a month ago. How do you cope with all of that when you still have to deal with unavoidable triggers? Well, of course you would feel traumatized by hearing all that information and I gotta tell you Stephanie that's a staggered disclosure that's finding out little bits and pieces about your husband's behavior throughout a time period making you feel insecure unsure and unsafe so what we gotta do is set up a situation whereby you get with a specialist to do a formal disclosure so you can hear everything at one time in a safe environment Hello there, Carol the Coach with you this morning, and I am, as always, so glad to be a resource for you. I mean, that's what I've been working hard at is figuring out ways to help partners feel more stable and balanced and know that there are lots of resources out there for you. And the truth of the matter is there really, really is. But how do you find them? Now, what I know is if you're listening to this show, you found some. Now what you have to do is find some that fits, right? And so appsats.org is that organization that will connect you to people that you need in your life that help guide you and navigate you through this partner betrayal. I mean, truly, if you think about it, this is the worst thing that probably has ever happened to you. Maybe not. If you suffer from complex post-traumatic stress, you've had some big trauma in your life earlier. You know, it might have been a molest, a rape, a traffic accident, a parent walking out. But if you've been fortunate enough not to have those um, horrendous traumas, then this more than likely is the worst trauma you've ever had. And this used to not be talked about. But now what we're finding is that when you get with the right people and you get the right resources, you can expedite the trauma 
symptoms that you're actually feeling. And that's why AppSats has devoted this show to helping you know about resources. Now, we know that there is so much on you, right? I mean, there is no doubt that you have been through so much. And I'm wondering, have you been able to tell anybody? Because the truth of the matter is you have to decide who is really safe to talk to. You know, one um, one important factor is if you tell somebody, you can never take it back. So as Brene Brown says, you've got to figure out who has helped you to put marbles in your marble jar, right? What she was referring to is she said, you need to have people and experiences that fill up that marble jar. And you don't want to just tell anybody who might not be impeccable with their work. Now, I am so grateful because I'm going to be interviewing Tiffany Kaminsky, and she is a life coach, and she believes that hope, for healing is optimal through personal empowerment. We are both all about it. We want you to feel empowered. And she works with partners. She works with addicts. And she works with couples. So she does a little bit of everything. She's a resource for people, and that's always nice. Now, you know, we believe in that three-phase model, safety and stabilization, grief, mourning, anger, and loss, and then post-traumatic growth. And during phase two of abstinence, um, trauma model, the sex addict oftentimes wonders, what can I do to help her get better? And so today we're going to be talking to Tiffany, who's going to be telling you how, how sex addicts can pace themselves to help her heal. Um, because this process takes a long time. So Tiffany Kaminsky, welcome to Betrayal Recovery Radio. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Carol? I am wonderful, and I I just really appreciate the work you have been doing with partners, with addicts, and for the coupleship. Can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and how you got into this field? Sure. Um, okay, so, wow. I originally got into this field because of the um, trauma that I personally experienced. I've been a life coach for, gosh, off and on for about 20 years um, and never, ever experienced um, anything like I did with betrayal trauma. Never thought I would be able to ever help anybody else moving forward, but here I am. And as I started to um, work with partners 
I very quickly started to see that it's uh, more than just a partner trauma. It is a couple trauma. And it was very hard for me to just work with only one part of the couple, coupleship. So I um, opened up my practice to working with the addict as well and working with them as a couple. And I've noticed that when that happens, when you work with them as a team, um, not only do they individually grow, uh, but it really strengthens the marriage. And more often than not, um, when we get through this, you know, years later, the marriage is um, stronger than it was before the trauma. So I love it. I love what I do. I love to see the results come out of it and the hope that these um, partners and addicts feel. And um, it's just very rewarding. I just love it, Carol. Well, I can see it and hear it on your face, and we're Zooming as well as talking <laughs> over the air. And, and it's so interesting you say that because I'm in the middle of finishing. I'm, I'm on 18, and I've got 20 chapters. I'm in, the, I'm in the middle of finishing my book, Help Them Heal. And Chapter 18 is all about post-traumatic growth. And you made the statement that you really believe that couples can be stronger today than they were 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Yes. And so as I'm writing the same things, I'm thinking, oh, I hope my readers believe me. Because, you know, when you're in that first phase, safety and stabilization, or the second phase, of um, mm-hmm. grief, mourning, loss, and and anger, it doesn't ever feel like you're going to know your strength again. Oh, gosh, yes. Mm-hmm. That is so true. I, I, I can't tell you, um, I would say probably 90% of my partners that come to me, um, oh, sometimes I'll even get the addicts call me first. It's rare, but it does happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually the partners will come and they'll say, how long is this going to take? When am I going to start to feel better? Am I ever going to get my life back together? Is it even worth staying married? I, I just, I don't know what to do. And um, I share that over and over and over. And um, what I often tell them, what I always tell them, um, I, I, first of all, I, just, I want to give them hope um, that I understand what it's like in the beginning. I understand that feeling of um, just confused and uh, the feeling of I I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it through this. And who am I? What's my identity? Um, Dr. Jay Porter does a lot on brain. He talked a lot on brain. I love what he says about um, how your identity is really just messed up um, from the trauma. And so um, I like to give them day one. A little bit of hope to let them know that, yeah, things seem crazy right now. They seem out of control right now. Your marriage is out of control right now. Maybe your husband is even willing that he has a problem. He's not willing to admit he has a problem. Um, But with time and having a strategic plan for healing, not just the partner but also the couple, um, you can grow and evolve. Um, But it has to be very strategic for each individual client and um, and we just work through it as a team. It's not me telling them what to do. We actually work together as a team to, um, to help them heal. Well, and 
you know, you're singing my language here because uh, <laughs> I've just developed the IRCA model. And, yes. and that is the early recovery couples empathy model to help couples learn the relational skills they need and to slowly move them through the phases of partner betrayal. And so what did you think of that training? Oh, my goodness. I just get giddy thinking about it. Um, it. It was a lot to learn. Um, I felt uh, very validated uh, in the training because I was already, I, you know, as a partner myself, I understand. And hearing you talk about uh, the different phases and, um, and, and different ideas that you can use to help them move forward, uh, a lot of that I was, thinking in my head, and uh, a lot of it I was practicing, but you came out and organized it in a easy, simple process that now you should see, you should see the, um, the books I put together of all the stuff that we got in training, but <laughs> uh, it works, and I've used several of your tools since then, and, um, and I just, I mean, I can't say enough. Uh, about how grateful I am for that training. It was so, so good. Well, and that is, I, I know that all the people, all of the therapists and coaches on there are um, in the training are just as excited as me. <laughs> and uh, they're using the tools as well. And I just hope we can spread the word and get, get more training out there so we can help more couples. Well, I have to admit that the president of our association, APSAPS, who sponsored me, it's my certification program and my training, but they were so gracious as to sponsor me so I could use them administratively and use their website. She said, when's your next training? And I said, September of 2022. And she goes, nope, too far away. You have to do it sooner. And I yes. So I am hoping, yes, that it will really blossom. And I'll have to tell you, Tiffany, in my book, I'm going to list Irkham therapists and coaches because I want, I want the world to know about the specialists that are willing to do this work. It is um, such a niche, and it's really different than she finds out immediately through discovery, and then we throw her into couples therapy and the therapist wants her to be close to him and to forgive him and all those weird, wacky things that therapists don't know that they don't know. Exactly. Exactly. I work with um, many, many therapists all over the country. I'm a coach, so I can practice in all 50 states and in other countries if I wanted to. Um, so I know, I know different therapists, and a lot of them um, – are, they're all amazing. The one I, I am so fortunate. I I have the most amazing partners as therapists, um, and they're amazing. But a lot of them um, don't understand um, that it really takes patience, um, and it really takes a lot of healing individually from the partner and the addict. Um, it is a coupleship, so of course they're working together, and I. I I'm always coaching my uh, addict to um, really understand empathy. Thanks to your book, Help for Heal. Um, that I, that kind of got me really started on understanding how important it is for the addict to help for heal. So there's always that partnership. Um, but really, uh, they're not ready to work on intimacy 
that emotional, spiritual connection, they're just not ready. She definitely isn't ready. When I say she, I mean the addict, even though, I mean the partner, even though I know the partner can be a female or male. Um, but, but the partner just isn't quite ready to um, just jump in and show empathy to her, uh, to her husband that hurt her. Um, and is not ready to uh, be vulnerable because mm-hmm. she, how can she be? She can't be honestly vulnerable when she's hurting the way she is. And doesn't feel safe. feel safe. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so let me ask you because you, you have been doing this work for a while, even before you got trained in it. It's like instinctually and intuitively, based on your history and also your training as a coach, you've been doing this work. And I want to ask you. When you're working with a couple, what's the first thing you tell them, you know, um, as they begin the process of working with you? What are the expectations? Yeah, um, expectations is a big word because when they come into my office, like I said before, they want answers. They want to know that they're going to feel better. They want to know how long it's going to take. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my answer to them, I say, everyone is different. Uh, and depending on how well the addict is response, responding to his own therapy and how willing he is to do whatever it takes to help her feel safe again and win back her trust. Um, and then also it depends on the work that she's doing. Um, if she's jumping all into recovery, and, and my business is, the name is Healing is Optimal, it's hope. And it's an acronym for Healing is Optimal, through personal empowerment. So I work with her to really empower her and um, teaching her how to use boundaries. Um, many times they've never even heard of boundaries. They don't even understand what that is. And so, um, yeah, it depends on what she's practicing, what she's doing, the boundaries that she's using, the, how she's communicating. Um, I mean, usually first session, second session, we're jumping right into boundaries. Uh, and then I remind, I remind her, this isn't an overnight fix. Um, this is something that could take years. Uh, I, I wish I could say that this is, um, you know, I could put a deadline in six months. It's not going to hurt anymore. Mm-hmm. And I just can't do this. I, I can't do that. So, um, again, I do try to give them a little help, a little hope and say, you're going to get what you put in. Um, and healing is absolutely possible. And, um, but it's not going to be easy. There's a lot of work. So I know it's so unfair because uh, the partner didn't do anything. And now she's having to do all this work. Although you and I both believe that when you get the post-traumatic growth, you get to make the choice of how you're going to grow stronger. And so she will be stronger as we talked about earlier. Now, you, you referenced in those early days of after discovery when he really is in recovery, and I advocate that he be in recovery for at least 90 days, and by 90 days I mean that he be sober. Okay. Um, and if he's in that and they've gone through a disclosure, the emotional impact letter, restitution, they really are ready to begin to understand each other's brain. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't understand her trauma, does he? I mean, that's part of what you do with him, right? Uh, yeah. Um, 
just a huge part um, of what I do with the addict is to really teach him what it's like to be her. And he will never fully understand what it's like to be her. Um, but I can um, give him, I, I give her education on what it's like to be an addict and what the addict is going through and what sex addiction is. But I also work with him and educate him about betrayal trauma and how important it is to lean in to her pain, not run away from it. She, he has to lean in. He can't go wrong even if he's not sure she's hurting or triggered or whatever, the more he leans in, the safer she's going to feel. So, um, the, you know, almost immediately we begin um, working on exercises on how that looks, um, what it looks like when, you know, he's caught off guard because she's triggered. Um, what should he say? How should he act? Um, how does it come across as genuine? How can she trust what he's saying? Um, and then I educate him on what the brain is going through with the PTSD that's experienced through the trauma. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, what I know is that that trauma brain typically mm-hmm. takes anywhere from three to five years to heal if he's in good recovery. And his sex, sex addiction brain, um, it can be dimmed down in a year. But to really gain the tools and go through the 12 steps or go through whatever program he is involved with, doing the interpersonal work, that takes some time too, sometimes two to three years. And we know that sex addiction takes anywhere from three to five years to really learn how to manage effectively. So you knowing that and you working with them, what do you think some of the greatest hurdles are as a coach? Because I'm a coach, too. We believe in empowering people. How do you empower him? Yeah. So um, often, uh, more often than not, uh, well, all the time there's a sort of teeter-totter in healing. He'll do great for a while, and then he'll come back down, and she'll do great for a while, and and there's that instability, especially during phase one and phase two, um, where there's neither one. I wish you could see my hands, but um, neither one of them is equal as far as where they stand in their healing. Um, often, more often than not, the um, addict will get frustrated at some point when it feels like he's doing great in his recovery. He's doing 12-step program. He's got a... Um, network of support around him. He's doing his daily devotions and, and really working hard at becoming a man of integrity and a man who, um, you know, has a sense of, a better sense of self. Um, if she's not quite there yet and she's still struggling with her safety, still not feeling 100% ready to forgive, then he can look at that and go, I don't understand why she's still here and I'm here. And on the flip side of that, the betrayed will also feel a sort of resentment. He's doing so great. He's made these new friends. He's got a new support system. He's, he's just moving on with life. He's doing awesome. You would think she would love that, and they do. You would think she would be, wow, this is great. I have a new guy. But if she's 
have a little bit of resentment towards him. And so I have to tell that partner, that uh, addict, is you need to just hang in there. You need to be patient with her. And instead of getting frustrated, this is your opportunity to lean in more. You lean extra. Go above and beyond with that empathy. Do not give her a chance to get stuck in that resentment because it is too easy to get stuck in the resentment. I know from personal experience. So if you're doing great, you're feeling well, and, and, and she's not there yet, you have to understand where she's coming from and get on her level, get down there with her in the pain, and lift her back up. There's uh, you know, a lot of research out there that shows that when you are traumatized or triggered, you, get, you can get stuck in the past, and it's hard for the betrayed to really differentiate the past from the present and so um, it is crucial that her partner be able to go in there and kind of be a, um, a hero, so to speak, and lift her out of that past and bring her in the present by, you know, going back to the basics of reminding her, hey, I'm doing much better and you don't have anything to worry about. That's not who I am anymore. I'm here. I love you. You're, you're the only one in my life. I, um, I want to be here for you, but I understand where you're coming from. I, I, I get it. But it's very important that he understand that this is not it's three to five years average that we're talking about. It's only normal for her to be able to, you know, go up and down like Peter Potter. Well, yeah, and, you know, um, I just had a partner this week who is just unable to have sex. Her brain hasn't healed. And, you and I both know a lot of times true intimacy development or redevelopment occurs in that third phase with post-traumatic growth. But she says, every time you put your mouth on me, I think about where your mouth has been. And every time you, um, you say something sweet to me about my body, I think about all the other bodies you've been with. And we as women have difficulty with comparison anyway. You know, we've been socialized and groomed at, through marketing and advertising to want the perfect face, want the perfect body, want the perfect talent. And so when a partner's been betrayed, she's looking at who she's typically been betrayed by, and she's nothing like them. And so she doesn't feel like she can compare. As a coach, what might you do with this kind of partner who's really reeling in that comparison? Yeah, oh, gosh. Yeah, that is, um, oh, that, that is one of the most difficult challenges to overcome. And probably, uh, I don't know about you, Carol, but with my clients, um, that that's a majority of them where they are still stuck in that comparison. Um, they may be in phase three, thriving. They know their sense of self. They're all of that is doing well. They're doing well. But it, when it comes to um, the intimacy with a the partner, they can kind of get stuck because they're still not feeling 100% safe that their partner isn't looking for perfection. 
Um, and what I usually do is, what I always do is, um, I, at the very beginning, start with this because I know this is going to be a hurdle. We're going to get to it over and over and over um, through all three phases. So um, educating them to the best of my ability about what sex addiction is, how it's related to fantasy, uh, and, and, and it's just not real. And what we see on TV, and mind you, they know this. They know that what they see on social media and billboards and TV isn't real, it's fantasy. Um, but when they're going through the trauma, again, it's hard for them to, to sort through that. So doing a lot of reminding them that that's not real, what reality is, what reality is about your husband. And then I also will do exercises with a partner where, or with the um, addict where I'll maybe have him write even even have to in the restitution letter, write another love letter to her about how he really feels about her and how different he is. And um, and I almost think that um, a lot of them, a lot of my partners want to be courted. Mm-hmm. They want to feel special. Um, and when you're married, uh, that can naturally get neglected. Um, and then now you've got betrayal in there with this fantasy um, and that neglect in the courting or the attention that you get from your husband um, is even more important. So he really has to step it up as far as making her feel special, making her feel beautiful, making her feel um, really, really loved by him. Well, she's, you know, he, she's his type. Absolutely. And so he has to really do that. I love the idea of the love letter. And as he's doing all that, sometimes she's shooting him further with more arrows, you know, because it's kind of that, oh, my gosh, he's trying to be intimate. He's trying to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. He's affirming me. This feels good. I don't know if I can do it. So, so tell me what you think the difference is um, between, well, that, you know, that need thing with shame, you know. Yeah. yeah. Talk about I, call it, so I call them shame arrows. I actually name them shame arrows. There's a difference, though, between shame arrows and communicating what your needs are and how you're feeling. And... A, um, an addict who hasn't been educated on the difference is very easy for them to get confused and um, kind of retract from, uh, from the partner because they're feeling the shame. They automatically think, oh, she's just bringing this up because she's wanting to shame me over my past um, behavior, when more than likely it's not that at all. It's just that she's really wanting him to hear her. And um, needing her to be, she really needs him to validate her. And um, and so what were shame arrows, certainly in the beginning, which are no, is normal, and you're angry because you've been betrayed, you're shooting those arrows off and you're reloading. And <laughs> they're going like crazy because you are so angry and hurt. Uh, but as you move through phases one and phases two, you really start to put down the arrows and when you're bringing up anything that has to do with the addiction, it's typically to, um, it's typically because you're needing attention from your, 
from the partner or from the addict. You're needing his love, you're needing his attention. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit more about how you work and what you see that works. Okay. Um, well, like I said, I originally just started working with partners. And I um, well, actually, originally I had some, I was doing career coaching before. So um, that was my, my only business. I wrote resumes and, and did all that fun stuff. Um, and then I started seeing more and more partners and phased out from the other. Um, so then I was just seeing partners and really um, started to understand that every single one of them was so unique. However, they, they, all of the problems were so common. I would hear the same exact comments over and over. And I would write them down. And then the next one would come in and I'll say, I just had a client that said that exact thing. And so uh, taking note of what the most common issues, common hurdles were, and formulating actual exercises and plans around each hurdle um, is what I love to do. And now you're bringing in their partner, the addict, into the mix. And that just helps even more because now not only am I able to give the partner tools to help her be empowered and, and feel safe again, but I'm helping him be able to help her. And so she's going to move a lot faster in the healing process with his support and his love. She'll be able to put down her guard a little bit so that she can really focus on what's important and not be on the defense of all the time. So that's where the magic happens. Um, at the beginning, I'm working with them individually, and three or four sessions uh, into it, they're, we're in here as a couple. And we're really, I'm, making, I'm giving them homework and telling them, okay, when there's a disagreement, bring it in here. We're going to role play it. Um, I'm going to give you some communication tools that will help you, and then we work through it. And then they go home and practice it. Um, so it's, um, it's so fulfilling to see the individuals in the beginning of the process and being so scared, both of them, um, and, and not knowing what, what this is going to be and how it's going to turn out. And there's just so much fear on both sides to literally thriving in the marriage afterwards. Um, is it going to be perfect? No. In fact, nobody has a perfect marriage. There's not a perfect person on this planet. So there's always going to be, you know, issues here and there. Um, but the difference before treatment and after treatment is now you have the tools. Now you know how to be empathetic with each other. Now you know how to hear each other by using active listening skills that you've learned through, um, through your therapy. I love it. It's, so, it's just so rewarding. Well, and I think what's really incredible about you is that you've been through it. You're not just saying what you think they want to hear. You've done the same thing. You've had a great therapist. You are in post-traumatic growth. And it's so interesting because the 12-step uh, program is to give back. And one of my mentors, Patrick Carnes, says, you know, when sex addiction and partner betrayal happens, there is such, such great suffering. 
Yeah. And out of that suffering becomes transformation or empowerment. And then you give back. Now, not everybody's going to want to give back to partners. They may want to give back to their church or they may want to give back to their neighborhood. Um, but at what point did you say, I am going to devote this practice to partners? Yeah. Oh my God. I'm definitely because actually, I get a little emotional thinking about it. Yeah. Um, my therapist, uh, I hope it's okay to use the name, Dr. Crystal Hollenbeck. Mm-hmm. She's here in Orlando and she's also in Tampa. Amazing, amazing therapist. Um, she's a certified sex addiction therapist and um, aspects as well. And um, I was in one of her uh, support groups and. Um, I was, I entered the support group after I had already been um, in therapy for a while. Kind of, I was already entering into phase three, but I still was needing that um, community around me. So I joined just to see what it would be like. And um, immediately I really started to grow into that phase, especially into that phase three when I joined that group because I was able to, I'm just instinctively, started using my experience to help the other women who were just at the beginning of their fight. And so um, I really leaned into them, uh, mentored them, and then um, I called her Dr. H for short. Dr. H, uh, she just said, hey, uh, have you ever thought of doing this? You're entering into phase three here, and part of phase three is getting back, and you would be a really, really good asset coach. And I thought, hmm, well, maybe I'll just take the training. I'll just take the training. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> I remember so, that. I trained you. Yeah, you trained me. Uh-huh. And I, I didn't get the training right away, I, but I did start seeing clients before I did the training. So I was, I was seeing clients, reading all the books. My clients were coming to me word of mouth. Just I didn't really even, I barely even had a process. And I had two two clients come to me, word of mouth, and they referred me to a couple more. And before I knew it, I was starting to get busy. And then um, I dropped it all for a little while to focus on the training. So, um, yeah, I went to Ohio. Mm-hmm. I selfie with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and during my birthday, in the November 1st, yeah. Yeah, happy birthday. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, yeah, and then after that training, I was, uh, I came back just um, loaded and ready to go and hit it. And now um, I can't get enough. I, I just, the more I learn, the um, more I can help others. And um, and I see the difference. And if I hadn't had that access training, if I had just gone into this as a certified coach and just went off of my own experience, which is great. You can't buy that experience. You can't buy that, you know, personal experience that you have. Um, but if I didn't have the official training and the tools, um, I don't know if I would be as successful as I am right now today. Oh, so absolutely. thank you so much for that. And then the IRCAM training, just, I, I, I just, I can't say thank you enough. That is helping. I'm thanking you on behalf of my clients oh. for getting a lot out of it. So. Well, yeah. thank you. And, you know, we have to wrap up, but I have one more question to ask you that I see probably once a day. 
And it is when that addict is working a really good, solid program. And she's still asking the same questions over and over and over. She's looping, right? And, and he's getting so discouraged because he's answered them 500 times. And she keeps coming back, asking the same ones or asking them a bit differently because, you know, a partner will say, I asked that question 10 times and I got the truth on the 11th. I had to figure out the right way to ask it or how to word it. So they have some typically evidence that supports if they just keep asking, maybe they'll get their answer. What do you tell him and how do you help her? Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, this happens all the time. It does. um, It's important to know that as the partner's brain starts to literally heal from the trauma, uh, from the initial shock of discovery, uh, even after full disclosure, even after hearing the same things over and over, uh, she may be triggered into remembering certain instances where she felt confused. Um, and so her, the part of her brain, the amygdala, the fire alarm will start shooting off. And she literally cannot help it but to ask that same question again. Mm-hmm. Um, Jay Porter had, has a brilliant video on YouTube that explains how the hippocampus works and how um, the past and the present is, is very confused, confusing between the past and the present for somebody who's being triggered. Um, and so they may ask the same questions over and over because they, they just don't feel like they've gotten the right answer. And, um, and again, this could be the same question. They could even ask in disclosure with a polygraph and you know that they know the truth, but they still ask it because the brain is starting to heal and little details are coming back. Exactly. Um, so yeah, it happens a lot. So, um, I always tell the addict that, you know, it's okay. Stay, stay calm when this happens. I educate him what's going on with her brain and how do you get her to settle down and, and, um, and feel like she's safe again. How do you, how do you help her feel like she has the answers that she needs to the best of her ability, of your ability? So um, at that point, his role right now is to go into um, empathy mode and not defensive mode. When even if he's feeling like, wow, she's on the attack again, she's bringing it up again, no, shut that down. Put on your Teflon, as you like to say. Teflon, Teflon yourself from the shame. Let that shame go away. I'm going to spray some Teflon on, and I'm going in. I'm going in like I'm going to battle, and I'm going to battle with empathy. I'm going in there. I'm going to show her that I care, and I love her, and I understand why she has these questions. And although I'll never be in her shoes, I, I, I get it. Tiffany Smitsky, I cannot believe what a good coach you are. I I would encourage people to contact you and work with you from partner, addicts, and couples. Now, they can get a hold of you by calling 407-815-3456. And your website is www.hopecfl.com. BFL, what that stands for. Got it. Dot com. Mm-hmm. And um, I just so appreciate your energy for this because this is hard work. And I can see how fulfilled you are. And 
They are so lucky to have you. So thank you again for being on the show. Thank you for having me, Carol. It's been such a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Anytime. (laughs) I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye, Carol. Bye. So Tiffany Kaminsky, and that's C-O-M-I-S-K-E-Y, Certified Personal Coach. Um, She is one of our very young. You can go to our directory on appsaps.org and look up Tiffany Kaminsky or Florida and she'll pop up if you want to work with her or you want your coupleship to work with with her. Amazing. So I have to run. I got a partners group next. (laughs) I just want to remind you, there's only going to be one of you at all times. I fearlessly want you to have the courage to be yourself, take good care of yourself, and uh, protect that brain. We'll see you back here next week for more Betrayal Recovery Radio here for appsats.org. Have a good one. For more information, go to appsats.org, the Association of Partners of Sex Addicts Trauma Specialists, to find a professional in your area who is trained to help you after sexual betrayal.